Hello everybody, Dr. Rick Wallace here, dropping in with a little special announcement for those who have followed me for any stretch of time. You know, outside of the businesses that I run, like Myriad Business Solutions, the Visionetics Institute, Odyssey Media Group, I also do a great deal of work inside of the inner city communities uh, in Houston, Dallas, and other areas. Uh, I'm asking now as we push a fundraiser that you support what the Odyssey Project is doing in the inner cities, uh, especially with programs like Black Men Lead, which is a rite of passage uh, initiative, and Restoring Ghetto for, Ghetto's Forgotten Daughters, which is a program focused on helping young girls, but boys as well, suffering from childhood sexual abuse, uh, rape, molestation, domestic abuse, uh, absentee fatherhood, and so many other things. Uh, the information will be in the box. Thank you. Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Rick dropping in on you. Uh, my voice is a little shot today, so y'all bear with me. I'm going to do the best I can. Um, as you saw in the intro, uh, we are in the middle of a fundraiser. Uh, we really need your help. I mean, everything from our research center, our think tank, our programs uh, that range everywhere from Music is Life, Black Men Lead, our domestic abuse program, mental health for men and women. Uh, there's so much work to be done. There's so much building to be done. We need a national network. We need a code of conduct. We need so many different things and we need to be able to put it together. Unity is the name of the game. And the, the name of the game for those who benefit from our oppression and our inability to uh, gain traction is disunity, disruption. And even when they can uh, initiate it amongst ourselves, when they can get us to turn on each other and uh, blame each other for what's going on, uh, that's half the battle. So I want to talk about a couple of things. I've been talking about this Tyree thing, uh, this uh, Tyree Nichols uh, thing. First and foremost, uh, may God be with his family. May he rest in power. Uh, may those who brought him harm uh, suffer harm. Uh, I'm not the forgiving type. Uh, I'm going to leave that to other people. Now, I release stuff. When it's people that's done stuff to me on a personal level, I let it go. And it's certain people that I continue to love. But as far as harming, intentionally harming somebody, no, nah, we're not. We, 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 I'm going to let y'all do the forgiving on that. Uh, but anyway. There were a couple of questions that came out on a previous video where I talked about uh, the fact that the killing of Tyree Nichols has a massive impact on a scaled uh, on, on, on a scaled out level because we all are impacted by it. Uh, just simply by the nature of the dynamic of how we think, how we operate, our experiences, our shared experiences, the fact that we tend to live vicariously through one another and that we have this uh, inherent almost reality where we identify with other people's behavior, sufferings, and experiences on a greater level than any other race or group on this planet. And I explained that I did it as a... Um, a uh, uh, resident expert on the Sunrise Project by own on Sunday morning. And so I just kind of brought it into this scope 
when that uh, episode is uh, posted, I will get you a copy of it so that you can see it in its entirety. We're doing part two this Sunday uh, on the Sunrise Project, where we're going to, again, uh, look at the collective uh, impact of a traumatic event like that and what we can do to help protect our kids, the things we need to change about our engagement with one another and with the system and understand how the system is the catalyst behind it. And it doesn't matter the color of the skin of the person who carries out the atrocity. The system is the one that facilitates it. It is the policy, it's the culture and all these things. I'll talk about that. So if you want to go back and watch that, I'm here to talk about two things specifically. I want to get it out of the way. I was asked a question uh, by one of my longtime subscribers, uh, Erlene Beeman, if I agreed with Jason Whitlock in his assessment that the killing of Tyree Nichols is the result of single parent motherhood. Now, I consider myself, uh, and I'm not the only one, amongst my colleagues, when we have our conversations, I'm considered one of the most socially aware, historically aware, and psychologically aware uh, people in, in, in the scope of what's going on in Black America, there is. This is what I literally do. I've put over 70,000 hours of research in the understanding of what goes on with us. How we draw that conclusion and how that becomes the conversation around five cops, five Black cops killing a young Black man, how we take it and take it all the way to the Black woman. Don't get me wrong. I prefer, and anybody knows me, I've been pushing the restoration of the black family for how long, right? So I'm about family. I'm about masculine energy and feminine energy in the home, okay? I'm about that. Uh, but what we got to look at, if we're going to start talking about single parent households, it takes two to procreate. And it takes two to sustain relationships that are uh, conducive to effectively, properly socializing young boys and young girls. When you break that, there's an absence that cannot be accounted for by co-parenting. I don't care what you say about it. Now, there's a lot of science that says different things, but here's what you gotta be careful of. Who sponsored the research? Is it independent research or is it sponsored by someone with an extreme angle from one end or another? Because I guarantee you, as a researcher, you've got to have mechanisms in place to ensure that your work isn't biased by anything that influences you. Now, if I'm a researcher and my entire research project depends on someone funding it, the person who funds it is automatically influencing how I set my study up. And if I set my study up, then I can sit up and determine what the outcome is going to be. Anybody that understands scientific method understands how to manipulate it. So you have to have a, a balance. When I do my research and I'm looking for data, I'm looking for things that prove my position wrong, things that prove my position right, and most importantly, the most balance that gives attention to both. 
and things that are independently funded, meaning that the, the, the source of the funding doesn't have a horse in the race. And but when you start talking about statistics, about single parenting, which one is worse, which one is best, you got to be careful of where that comes from. I'm not going to even state what it's about. But what I'm going to talk about is the fact that Jason Witten sit up and at a time like this, he thought this was the conversation. And what will happen is you will have men who are in some way uh, at odds or have issues with women using this as a means of jumping on the bandwagon and doubling down. Uh, that's a first that first of all, there's a time and place for everything. And you also have to understand it's nothing more frustrating to a person like me, uh, than to sit up and watch people get played and not know they're being played and destroy everything in front of them. And then look up and wonder why the hell things are screwed up. Let me tell you something. Anything that causes division isn't an accident. It's been going on for years. When J. Edgar Hoover was asked, the greatest threat to national security. We we just came off the missile crisis in Cuba. And he didn't say Cuba. Russia was behind the missile crisis in Cuba. He didn't say Russia. We were in a cold war with the Soviet Union, which included Russia. He didn't say the Soviet Union. China was an upcoming threat to our supremacy. He didn't say China. The, the Middle East has never stood, can't, can't stand us for during on, I don't know how long. He didn't say the Middle East. You know what he said? He said black unity. Black unity was the greatest threat. Why? Because black unity puts us in a position of power. And if we're in a position of power, we cannot be manipulated. We cannot be mishandled. We cannot um, be, be held down. If the black man and the black woman come together, there's no stopping us. So everything has been done. From the reversal of roles, it wasn't an accident. From the commodification of the black man, it wasn't an accident. To the fluidity and, and access of the black woman in the corporate America, it wasn't an accident. It was on purpose. She was given the idea she didn't need. She didn't need a man. He was given the idea that he wasn't wanted. I'm not one to give the black man a pass. It's easy to say you were driven out of home. Ain't nobody driving me out of shit. Now, I'm not going to stay where I'm not wanted. But I don't care how bad it gets. I'm going to defend mine. And even in my situation right now, I still handle mine. I still look out and take care of mine. She's still safe under my covering, even though she's not mine anymore. Because somebody's going to look out for her. That's just me. But see, we, we, we've been taught, we've been pushed a mindset that a man that does that is a simp. No, no woman falls under my watch. The one thing a woman, and I don't just mean some woman I'm trying to get at. I mean, any woman from my daughters, my sisters, my nieces, my cousins, my ex, they safe. She's safe until she gets somebody else to cover her. That's just how I am. That's the mother of the children I love. I'm going to sit up and say, well, we ain't together no more. Figure it out. Go go out there. Whatever happens to you, happens to you. If some dude come handle you wrong. No. I don't, I don't get it. But we've got an idea that we could just handle women any kind of way. Now, women, 
I'm not giving you a pass either. Everything ain't the man's fault, just like everything isn't your fault. Nobody wants to own anything, and everybody's upset about everything. Everybody has a complaint, a legitimate complaint. But here's the problem. Having a legitimate complaint does not fix the problem. Taking ownership of the role you played in it is, no, Erlene, I'm not one of the exceptions. I hang out with a bunch of black men, and none of us are sitting up blaming black women for everything. That's the black man that they're going to put on blast. The black man that blames the black woman is the black man that gets the press. The black man that blames the black woman is the one they're going to put out in front. That's who they get a microphone to. That's who they get a platform to. Why? Because they keep up the division. I'm amongst black men and none of us are walking around. First of all, you can't be a man blaming a woman for what's going on in your world. You absolutely cannot. And I don't hang around black men that do that. But what they will tell you and what they will give you is, and that's what I'm saying, we've got to be careful that we are not being misled and becoming a part of the problem. Because anybody that says the black man is doing this here and this is who the black man is and it doesn't represent that 88% of us are handling our damn business and treating our woman with respect and loving our woman and you're talking about what the 12 are doing because they get in the press being played. And then for the people who are sitting up judging every black man for what a black man did to you, again, it's easy to sit up and go look at what somebody had to you. It's natural. It's it's a it's a natural. It's called bias confirmation. Conf well, confirmation. Excuse me, confirmation bias. When I feel some kind of way, I'm naturally looking for things to confirm that. And all I gotta do is go on social media. If what I'm looking for, it's called a reticular activating system. It's at the base of your brain. Whatever you tell it is most important to you. Whatever you focus on the most is what it finds. So if you focus on the negative, it finds the negative. If you focus on a specific color, you'll see that color all day long. Why? Because there, uh, the subconscious mind has the ability to process 4 billion bits of information per second. Your conscious mind can only process 2,000 bits of information per second. So the things that you are aware of, that, that you're aware you're aware of them, that's your conscious. You can only process 2,000 bits of information before it comes overloaded. But the subconscious, everything that comes in contact with it, it's reading it, even though you don't know it on a conscious level. But what happens is when you, when you sit up and you focus on something, you tell the reticular activating system, this is important to me. Now, it moves it to the top of the priority list. So if I determine that you know, the black woman is the source of all of the ills of the black community, Everything I see is going to be a black woman doing something that I, I consider to be anti counterproductive, antisocial, and not into the detriment of the collective as a whole. Same thing with a black man. If I sit up and make up in my mind that the black man, or as a man or as a woman, you make up in your mind that the black man is the problem. Everything you see is going to be a black man who's a stupid ass. But what I'm telling you is there are a bunch of us out there in droves, busting our ass to love on our women, love on our children, take care of our children. They sit up and put us out there that all we want is white women. 88% of us that are married are married to black women, that they're not going to promote that. When they promote us on TV, they always got us in some kind of biracial relationship. Like that's all we go out there. We out there salivating for something. I don't desire anything but my sisters. I don't spend a whole lot of time trying to make somebody be with somebody or whatever. But what I'm going to tell you is 
I'm not one of those people that ascribes to the idea that you don't choose, you, you can't choose who you fall in love with. Bullshit. Because if you couldn't choose who you fall in love with, you have a bunch of rich ass people falling in love with a bunch of broke ass, ugly people. You fall in love with what you allow yourself to have access to and desire. Because if you make up in your mind, you don't want no broke man, you ain't falling in love with one. If you make up in your mind that you don't want somebody that's got a record, you ain't falling in love with one. You have to open up and allow a person into a space to, 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 to get to a point of love. So you do control who you fall in love with. So you can say, I don't want that. And then you're never going to be that. Now, that may be a rare occasion. Uh, Charlie Wilson. To me, a rare occasion. Uh, and, you know, I'm still sitting up saying it had to be a black woman you could have did with. But when he was coming back and rehabbing from his drug addiction and being out there on the street, his nurse nursed him back to health, got him healthy, got his confidence up, got him to where he got his credit straight, went out with him and helped him buy a house. And he told her he needed somebody to spend with. She nursed him back to health. So he didn't go find her. She was there. She just happened to be, that's not happening, everybody. Everybody that's choosing outside of the race, that's not what, what's happening. You are thinking it's better on the other side because you buy into the bullshit. It's not better on the other side. Life is what you make it. 90% of the damn relationships that don't work didn't work because they couldn't work. It didn't work because you didn't make it work. Bottom line. Now the stuff that's going on is because we don't have to stick in the shit. Now what we're doing is we're out procreating, creating children, and then jumping out and going to something else. And nobody is having to stick with something and make something happen. So nobody ever has to, the, 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 the chance to build anything. It takes work. It's hard. It's, it's challenging. It ain't always pretty. It ain't about the goo-goo guy guys and all that. That's great when you can find it. Great when you can have it. That ain't what the shit is about. Here's what it's about. It's about sitting up saying, I see where you're going. I like where you're going. I'm going in the same direction. I do it a little differently than you do it, but we're headed in the same direction. Why don't we make a commitment that we're going to go that way in the direction? We're going to sink our masculine energy with our feminine energy. I'm going to sink my masculine energy with your feminine energy. We're going to connect and we we'll go. Now, there's going to be some bumpy roads. Why? Because I'm a man. I think from front to back. My brain works from front to back. You're a woman. Yours works from left to right. We think completely differently on how to get there. So we're going to have moments. Everything ain't about the romance. Everything ain't about the honeymoon. It's about building. Now, let's talk. Are we going to create progeny? Are we going to have children, offspring that we use to project our values and interests and principles for the sake of our own family lineage and for the sake of our own culture and for the sake of our own race? Are we going to do that? Well, if we're going to do that, then what? Then we're going to have to make sure we commit to being everything those children need so that they can be successful. It stops being about how happy I am, what I want. One of the most powerful books I read on the front of the damn cover, it was called Sacred Matter, said, what if, God, what if God's intent for marriage wasn't so much to make you happy, happy as it was to make you holy? Now, holy, I'm not talking about the mystic religious holy. I'm talking about character. I'm talking about integrity. God is holy, not because he's some mystic spiritual being. God is holy because God is always God. God always operates by God's standards. No matter how you see God, no matter if you he's the most high, no matter if you call him the universe, no matter if you call him, whatever you call him, Jesus, uh, you call him Allah. It, what, that 
at the purest level of consciousness and awareness and being, God is always the same. He does not violate himself. That's what makes God holy is his integrity is pure. So then if, what if his intent for marriage wasn't so much about being happy and, and being blissful, but about pushing you to a point where you've got to give a little bit more of yourself than you want to? Because that's what marriage is going to make you do. It's going to make you give more of yourself. It's going to make you sacrifice more of yourself. It's going to make you think about somebody more than you think about yourself. What if, what if, what if that's what it's about? Now, what if happiness comes when you learn how to truly lean into what your role is and who you're supposed to be and you get full and you become overjoyed by the fact that you're living the life that you're capable of living and you're living it with someone that's walking the same path as you. And now you're creating offspring that will be able to be a part of your legacy that four and five generations down the line, they are talking about you because you started something great. You built something awesome. You were willing to stay in and build it. See, that's what they don't want. So what do they do? They say, hey, he, he did this. He's a horrible person. That's what black men are. Hey, black women ain't about nothing. All they want to do is be single mamas, go out and make babies. And so what happens? Everybody's been hurt. So it's easy to sit up and talk about what didn't go right. What's hard is to sit up and say, you know what? I could have handled it better. You know what? I could have chose better. You know what? I could have been a little more patient. You know what? Maybe I could have built that. Maybe I was impatient and I didn't give it time to really, truly grow and build. I heard something and I shared this with a friend the other day. I heard something and it totally blew my mind. And I, I'm not and, and I'm not a big Obama fan at all. Not in the sense of politics, in the sense of how their marriage got down. I, I feel it. I feel it because I looked for cracks the entire time because I knew, you know, those who opposed them were looking for cracks. And then that's that thing that I, I talked about at the beginning of this video, this idea that we are all connected. So even though I, I, I saw they weren't moving on my behalf or the things that I stand for and the interests I stand for, they really weren't operating like. Like, like I felt, I, I still looked at them and say, hey, they represent me right now. And anything they can find, they're going to use it. And they're going to be the literal icon of black failure. So I'm looking for it. And, and I say, wait a minute, man. These people get out. I know they, and everybody has bad times. But I heard Michelle Obama say something about their marriage about a couple of years ago, I think. It was doing an interview and whoever was there, I know Kelly Rowland was there. It was like on a, 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 a come together talk and they were on a couch. And they were all sitting there and she was talking about it. And she said that uh, uh, he, 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 she said that um, it's never 50-50. Everybody talk about relationship is 50-50, give, give. She says never 50-50. She says sometimes I'm 70, sometimes he's 30, sometimes he's 70, sometimes I'm 30, sometimes it's 60, 40. It's, it's never 50-50. Sometimes somebody is in a better place than the other person and they need them. And it's, it's that balance of being what that person needs and whoever's the strongest at the time holds and tolls the line until the other person can get their bearing. It's the ability to have somebody there to balance you in bad times. It's the ability to be there to pour into somebody. And I'm listening. I'm going, whoa. But then that was something she that totally blew my mind. I don't know if I'm, I can rock that hard, but it, 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 it did make sense to me in the understanding of what it takes to truly hold a relationship together. She said, at the beginning of our relationship, that was 10 years I couldn't stand, Barack. I said, whole 10 years? 
What you know, and the first thing goes through your mind because you're so used to people quitting is why the hell did you stay there? Now, when she said I couldn't stand Barack, we have to be careful on how we interpret that. She didn't say I hated Barack. She said I couldn't stand Barack. We're talking about a black woman. Now, she wasn't Michelle, First Lady Michelle Obama when this was going on. She was a black woman. So when a black woman said I couldn't stand him, he was getting on her nerves. And from what I can understand is they got two two little kids and he going out like, he, you know, he's single. He going to do stuff. She said, I could. She said, but we've been together 30 now and the last 20 have been pretty damn good. She says, I'll tr every day of the year, I'll go back and I'll take that 10 to get the 20. I felt that shit. I felt that. But we don't have people that are willing to do that. And we malign people who I'm not talking about take somebody who disrespects you. I'm not talking about take somebody who cheats on you and hurts you. I'm not talking about taking somebody who belittles you and talks you down. I'm talking about taking a human being who has imperfections, but you look at them every day and see how hard they're trying to hold things together and love on you and know that's the person for you and know that if you just stay long enough, it's going to get pretty good because eventually you're going to mesh. You're going to know what they know, know what they, how they feel. You're going to know their mannerisms. You're going to be able to look at their face and tell what they're thinking. You're going to start finishing each other's sentences. And before you know it, you've got something that you cannot ever regret. But it takes time to get there. We don't want that. Everything is instantaneous for us. And if it's not what we think it should be, hey, what's the way? So now back to Jason Wetler. Is we, are we really looking at this fat bastard asking him about advice on marriage and on parenting? Has he ever done anything and said anything? Been a few little nitpicks here and there. Here, here and there, he's had a couple of things to say out of a million things, a couple of things to say that I can sit up and say, okay, he was on, on point with that. But for the vast majority, he's not speaking on behalf of black people. He's speaking on behalf of a system that pays him very well to create situations in which there's disunity and discard and moving. So now you've got a situation. Why in the world, in a situation like this, where this young, young black brother was killed, is there a need to talk about single parenting? whether it's a male or a female. Single parenting didn't snatch him out of the car when he was not being violent or belligerent. Single parenting didn't spray him. Single parenting didn't tase him. Single parenting didn't stomp him and kick him. So what he did was he took a hot point in the black community redirected the energy from where it should have been on those nasty, sorry-ass cops and pointed it towards the black woman. Oh, no, I'm not sitting up saying the black woman's perfect. But I'm saying I understand where she comes from. I'm understanding. It was, it was, it was Brother Malcolm that said in the 60s that there's no woman less protected, less cared for, less provided for than the black woman. What did you think you were going to produce, black men, if you kept leaving her out there for her to do it by herself? And oh, we can say we were ran out of the home. Like I said, the only person who can push me out of the home is the person in the home. No outs. I'm going to die fighting for the home. And I ain't in the home. I'm still going to die fighting for the home. So it's got to be something that you can sit up and say, I'm going to carry myself. in a certain way that's reflective 
of the role that I carry or I'm responsible for. As a man, I'm, I, I use, when I'm teaching young black boys, I use the five P's of manhood. Now we have 11 principles of manhood that we teach at Black Men Lead, but I, I use the five P's to say, to give a simplification of what a black man is in his home. First and foremost, everybody wants to talk about a provider. We've commodified the black man. So the black man now considers, considers himself a high value prospect if he has a six figure income. Well, the first of all, only 6% of black men make six figures. That's so, so what we got to understand is it's a bunch of game being played because here's the thing. The median income for black men is 44,000 a year. That's the median income for black men. Black men are, when it comes to black men, we have our female counterparts, the closest to us in earning potential, I mean, in, earn, in median earning than any other group. White men and Asian men, their they're women are thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, all less earning less than they are. Our women earn a little, little less than $2,000 less than we do. We're at 44, they're right over 42. So what happens? The need for us isn't the same as the need in other groups. They need their men. Our women don't need us. Hell, they make as much as we do. So that there's all this. But when you take the commodification out of the equation, the first thing I tell boys, the first P isn't provider. The first P is protection. You are a protector before you are a provider. You are physically a, you are physically capable of protecting a female before you are physically uh, before you are mentally, emotionally, and 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 uh, economically capable of providing for one. Let me show you something. I teach them that at a certain age, when you're first born, you and your uh, female counterparts, the same age, are going to be pretty much physically equal. Matter of fact, she may be able to beat you up, but there's going to come a point in time where. You're going to go through puberty. Your voice is going to change. Your voice is going to get deeper. Do you know even that is a form of protection? It's an intimidation factor. The deeper the voice, the more intimidating you are. And so you get a deeper voice than she does. It's meant to keep you from having to fight. The voice is the first thing, like the roar of the lion. The roar of the lion is to make you know, hey, you keep coming. It's going to be some problems. The voice is to say, hey, you don't want this. But it doesn't stop there. You start to become physically stronger. You start to grow at a much more rapid pace. You become bigger and stronger. Also, as the testosterone production increases, you also become a little bit more easier, easily agitated and aggressive. And I tell them that aggression isn't to aim at her. It's to make sure when it's time to protect her, you have a willingness to do so, that you are already ready to put in work. That's what it's for. So the first thing you are is a protector. The second thing you are is a provider. But providing is more than what you bring to the table and money. You provide an environment. You provide a sense of identity for your children. You provide a sense of security for her. You're providing all of these things. That's what you do. Next, you are a promoter. And they're like, what does that mean? That means you promote 
the people in your house. You lift them. You edify them. You speak highly of them to themselves. You speak highly of them to others. People should know the gifts and the skills and the beauty of what's going on with your family. They should know. They're not meant to elevate you. You're there to elevate them. Your elevation comes from being who you are. Your sense of identity, your power, your confidence comes from I'm standing in my manhood. I guarantee you what, 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 what you're going to find is nobody's going to be in my presence and feel insecure. Nobody's going to be in my presence and feel insecure. Nobody's going to feel like, well, this is going on and, 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 and I don't feel safe. No, that's not going to happen. You're going to feel secure. The next thing you're going to be is a priest. And I don't mean that in the religious sense. I mean that in the direct line of divinity, divine connection between you and God for your family. You are the one that brings the presence of God into your home. Your wife is always going to be the most praying person in the home. I'm not talking, I'm talking about divine connection, the priest, the direct link to everything divine and powerful coming from the designer into your home. You are that person. We see, see, we lost that in the way that is portrayed, even, even regardless of race. Look at look at Mother's Day versus Father's Day. Total reversal of how it's always been. Not taking anything away from the mother. The mother brings life. The mother gives life. The mother has a spiritual womb. She'll birth your vision. If you plant it, if you plant it and nurture her and give her an environment where she feels safe, she'll birth the spiritual elements and components of your vision if you let her. But uh, when you look at it, if you go back, the, the man, the father, the husband was that divine connection that element. And finally, the prophet, not the prophet in the sense of religion. Again, we, we're talking about predicting and, and, and all. I'm talking about the prophet, the one who speaks, the one who speaks into their life, the one who speaks over their life, the one who speaks on behalf of their life, the one who always knows exactly what to say to edify, to empower, to increase. See, we don't know manhood the way manhood is supposed to be because it's not being taught. We think your manhood is in your car. You think your manhood is in your income. You think your manhood is in your six pack. You think your manhood is in your spit game. So you run in all of this stuff and you don't understand that sometimes the most silent man is the most powerful man because he's walking in the purity of who he is. I don't have to go through and yell all day long who I am. You're going to watch how I treat the women in my life and you're going to know. You're going to watch how I treat my children. You're going to you're going to watch how I treat my brothers and you're going to know. It won't take long to find out just how hard I'll go for mine if you test me. I'm not a spitboxer. I don't argue. If you feel, if you make me feel like you're a threat to my people, you'll know I feel you're a threat when you feel me. My great-grandfather taught me that. Say, don't be out there spitboxing. Handle your business. You spitboxing, you end up dead. If you think he going to touch you, touch him first. All that, he, you know, wait till he passed the first lick. It might not be but one lick pass, son. Might as well be you that pass it. And my whole thing is, I'm not out looking for a fight. Never have been. But I have no problem bringing it when it's necessary. Your family needs to know that about you, man. They need to know that, that nobody wants this smoke in this house. And my children are in this house or in whatever space I may be occupying. But nobody wants to smoke in the house they're in because I will bring it.
It's not a question. It's not a question. So, and, 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 and anybody that knows, knows how hard I loved my wife. Knows how hard I still love my wife. And my wife knows. You know, there's no animosity between us. What she needed is what she needed. And I was willing to give it to her because she needed it. But there's nothing she can't need me for and I not have her because that's what she needs. But see, a lot of people don't get that. See, I know what she went through. If you read her book, you know what she's been through. I can't tell her how to figure that out. I can show, I can tell her and show her based on that, but I can't tell her she's feeling wrong by how she's dealing with it. She's finding herself. I got her back. Always will. Call me what you want to call me, but I guarantee the women that come in contact with me know they're safe. To me, there's no greater stance. See, sometimes your money will get funny. I've been around long enough. I've been doing that. Sometimes your money will get funny. And you, and then if all your manhood is, I pay all the bills and I take her this place and I take her that place and you can't do it, all of a sudden you start to act funny with her because you're feeling inferior. You're feeling incompetent. But when, you're, when, when your manhood is in, first and foremost, nobody is ever going to bring you harm as long as breath is in my body. As long as I can stand up, I can hold that down. I don't care how bad the money gets. That's where my identity starts. I create an environment of safety. That's what the man in my house did. So when some clown like Jason Whitlock comes on his first aim, any man, and I'm not sitting up and, I, and anybody knows me, I hold women accountable because there are things that some, some of y'all are doing that don't make sense. But at the same point in time, you can't call yourself a king and it's somebody else's fault. You can't call yourself the head and it's somebody else's fault. You can't call yourself a leader and it's somebody else's fault. If you're a leader, you're the head, you're the king. It stops with you. So even if you didn't do it, somebody did it under your watch. You need to figure out why. You need to know what's going on. You need to find out what's happening. Here's what I can tell you, brothers. And my brother's not going to like me for this one either. If you've got to demand that a woman submit to you, you're not worthy of her submission. And I'm going to tell you why here. Check this out. And I didn't even mean to go here, but somebody asked me that. Erlene, thank you. Asked me to come talk about Jason Whitlock. I'm not spending my whole damn time talking about that fucking clown. So I'm going to talk about something that hopefully blesses somebody. So, so here's the thing. When you're sitting up and you're talking about this, if you've got to ask a woman or demand a woman submit, you're not worthy of a submission. Let me tell you, women are designed to submit, not in being. See, first of all, submission isn't docility. Submission in yes, sir. No, sir. OK, whatever. That's not submission. You just got your yes, woman. Submission is saying, I'm going to lean into you because I trust you. Something my grandmother told me, my great grandmother. Remember, my great grandparents adopted me. Something my grandmother told me one time, I was about maybe 10, somewhere up in there. I used to always sit down every month. They did their bills at the same time every month. My grandfather was born in 1909. He's actually my great grandfather. He's my grandmother's 
father. Born in 1909, son of a sharecropper. He had to leave school in the second grade to go out in the field and work the field. So when I'm telling you I know men, I was reared by men, I was reared by men. He had to go out in the field at, the, at seven years old and help to keep, to help ends meet. That's what happened with sharecropping. That's one of the ways they kept us poor. That's one of the ways they put us to work in the fields in the South after slavery and kept us poor. Now, here's the thing. They were doing the bills. My grandmother was doing all the stuff because she's the one reading and writing and everything. He can't read and write. He dropped out in second grade. You know, he he, he can do a, few, a little bit, but he 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 can't read. So they normally don't have problems. They they did pretty good for a second grade dropout and an 11th grade dropout. They did real good. She owned her own beauty salon. He was a master welder. When he retired, he started his own lawn service. So things, I never had the lights turned off. I never knew what it was like to be hungry. I grew up in the hood and I grew up around extreme poverty, but my household never experienced it. Not, my house never saw it because they, they were, but that was one time. And I remember it like it was yesterday where there was something that came up they weren't expecting and they had to figure out how they were going to work around it. And they had a disagreement on how it should be done. And normally my grandfather is, he lets her do things. It's your house, you think, you do whatever you want. But when what, what he said is when it's time to make a decision and the final decision has to be made, I make the final decision. And I asked him one time, I said, why do you get to make the final decision? He says, because I'm the man. And if anything goes wrong in this house, who you think they're going to blame? If I'm going to be the one blamed for it, I'm going to be the one making the final decision. But let me show you how it works. He told her, okay, this is what we're going to do. And he had this thing. He didn't argue a lot. He didn't speak a lot. He wasn't, he don't, he didn't raise his voice, but you knew when he was saying what he was saying. And he said, up, that's how it's going to She said, okay. And I can look at her until it bothered her. And she was kind of scared. You know, I don't know how much the, I can't remember how much the money was, but it was enough that it was contention. And so I went to her later on in the day and it says, it sounds like, you know what you're talking about, mama. Why don't you just pay it pay what you think they need to be paid and tell him you did it his way he don't know he can't read that was that was my thing she said no he's my husband now this is a woman owns her own beauty salon and, and one of the most stubborn hard-headed people you ever met she said he's my husband and let me tell you something he's not perfect but let me tell you what i can trust that when he's wrong he's gonna fix it that's all i can ask so in the times that he hasn't been right, he's come back and said, you know what? I wasn't right. Then he fixed it. Son, that's all you can do as a man is try to be right as many times as you can. And when you're wrong, admit you're wrong and fix it. And she trusted him. She didn't run around going, yes, baby. Yes, baby. He didn't run around telling her what to do. But it was an understanding that I can lean into this man and he's got me. We lost that. Because they start telling us that if you ain't got this amount of money coming in, you ain't a man. Let me tell you something. If we were everything we needed to be, there will be more room to grow in the areas of finance because we will have the room and the support of our women. But because we're trying to run game, because we're not functioning the way we should be, everybody doesn't trust everybody. Everybody's trying to make sure I'm good. You can never hold down a relationship if your number one responsibility is to self. You can't. Not at that level. You've got to have a relationship where you trust them so much that you can say, I'm going to pour myself into her. And I'm going to trust that she's going to pour herself into me.
And you've got to be willing to sit up and say, it may not happen. But what you've got to do is be true enough to yourself to say, well, I did what I could. And I'm okay with what I did. I did my best for where I was and what I was capable of doing. I have nothing to be ashamed of because sometimes it simply doesn't work. But if it doesn't, make sure it's because you gave it everything you have and it didn't work. What I can tell you is I'm cool with my exes. Why? Because I didn't mistreat them. We just didn't find what we needed. And that's on me. And that's on them. And we don't walk around talking about whose fault it is. It's about, hey, how are you doing? You okay? You sure you're good? All right. Let me know if you need anything. Kids grown. Ain't got to deal with you. But you birthed my child. I don't get it. I'm sorry. I don't. How you hate somebody that carries your seed. Ladies. Are you hating people that you carried their seed? Ladies, stop letting everybody and anybody put their seed in you. Fellas, who you let carry your seed is going to determine the entire life of your child. We need to stop being so primitive in our need to sex something that we're missing the responsibility of what comes with it and losing the ability to create a generation that's capable of coming out of this mess that slavery created. Whitlock is trash. I'm not going to say that there is a problem in parenting. That's problem in seeing. I was a single parent. My older kids, I parented them. I had them. They live with me. I was a single parent. And it's just gaps you're going to miss. It's just things you can. There's certain things I'm not built to do. I can try it. Now, I grew up with a, a grandmother as a uh, hairstylist. So I've been combing my girls' hair. So combing the, combing the hair was the easy part. That conversation, I can't tell you why you're feeling that way. I can't tell you what that mood swing is about or how it feels. I can't tell you nothing about when, when your cycle starts. I, I ain't never had one. And it sounds simple because medically I can explain it. But if you ain't never felt it, you can't understand what they're feeling. Same thing with a mother and a boy. You can't even teach him how to pee standing up. That's something he learns by watching his pops. We're, we, we, we're, we're handicapping them. But, 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 but this ain't a single parent issue, Jason Whitlock. This is corrupt police. This is racist policy. Yes, black men carried it out, but the policy is created by a white racial caste system that says it's okay to police the black community while protecting the white. They're getting served and protected. We're getting policed. It's two totally different things. But you took the focus off of that and put it on black women. Coward. It's here's here's my take. And, and if you sit up and you think I'm hard on man, I'm a man. I'm supposed to be calling my brothers 
I'm a man. I'm challenging you because I know, here's what I know. The spiritual, the capacity of a spiritual capacity of a woman is unparalleled. The conspiracy, the spiritual capacity of a black woman is unparalleled by any. So what you have to understand is that our elevation comes from our women. We will never get any higher than our women are able to lift us, but we weaken them when we ask them to do things we're supposed to be doing. Oh, ladies, don't get too full of yourself. We will never get any further than our men can physically lead us. The men provide the safety. The men provide the covering. The men provide the leadership. So men, listen to me carefully. You can, you can make up all the labels you want, call simp, whatever. Let me tell you something real simple. In a patriarchal society, no man should ever be sitting up talking about what a woman is doing to destroy the world around even a black man who has been purposely emasculated by the system to weaken him inside his culture. Because there ought to be something on the inside of you that says, I will not be buckled. I will not bow. I will not fold. I will not let up. If you're going to take me, you're going to have to kill me. I talked on something maybe last week or week before last something. And I'm glad that Charleston white responded to it the way he did. Sometimes brother get, get all crazy, but he, he, he has a lot of valid points too, but he was asked in an interview about something a rapper said where the rapper said, loving a black woman is a sign of weakness. No, not being able to love a woman is a sign of weakness. Now we have a misunderstanding of what love is because we've been misinformed by all of the stimuli that's put around us to put the focus on how we feel. The reason people can't stay together is because they believe that they are to make their decision based off of their feel. Your feelings are going to change. Your emotions are the most erratic thing about you. If you are basing whether you're gonna stay in something on how you feel, you're never gonna stay anywhere. That's romance didn't even enter into marriage until the 13th century. All this swept me off my feet and all this stuff that came in the 12th and 13th century. Before that, marriage was about commitment. Marriage was about responsibility. Marriage was about the projection of a family ideal between two families who saw things the same way and said, hey, my daughter's going to take your you take 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 the hand of your son. My son's going to take the hand of your daughter and they're going to go out and they're going to take our values. And together they're going to create another uh, set of offspring and project our values and carry our lineage out further. They're going to be the representation of what we believe, our values, interests, and principles. See, we lost that in slavery. One of the first things they did in slavery was take away the values, interests, and principles of what we were, who we were, how we operated, our spirituality, our name, our heritage, our history, how we treated one another, how we loved one another. This particular thing is the thing that they took away from us because when they took our values, interests, and principles, it left a void. And see, there are certain things you need to you need and certain things you yearn for. The first thing you yearn for is an identity. Well, they took the identity when they took our name. So now I'm trying to figure out who I am. I'm going to tell you who you are, boy. I'm going to tell you who are gal. I'm going to tell you that you're not anything but what I tell you. You are property. You don't have a right. And then anything I give you is a blessing to you. 
Then I'm going to introduce you to my version of God. And my version of God looks like me. So guess what? It automatically superimposes the idea that I'm superior to you because I look like God and you don't. And this is cascading down and creating a level of self-hatred that you see in a fat fuck like Jason Whitlock. I can't stand somebody that allowing the system to use them. People like, I, I mean, nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm not going to always have the right answer. I'm not going to always say the right thing. I'm not going to always be on your good side because I'm going to tell you the truth to best I know, but it's always going to be to power of my people, the power of my family, the power and love of the people I care about. So I'm always going to do it in that sense, in that, in, in that design. So I'm not trying to sit up and be perfect. I'm not but I know who I am and I stand firm and I stand tall in it and I broaden my shoulders when I speak because I will not be pushed back and I will not back down. But what happened is you got cowards that bought into the money idea. And so because it's about money, you pay me, I'll misguide them. You pay me, I'll disrupt them. You pay me, I'll mislead them. You pay me, I will sucker them. I will make them think it's about this when it's really about that. I'll do that if you keep putting money in my pocket. I eat well, Stephen F. Stephen F. Smith, Stephen A. Smith. I eat well. I'm, I'm all of these people that are put in these places that's misleading you politically, spiritually, and it's a bunch of pastors doing it too. You're never going to see a person in a patriarchal society whining about not having access or not being able to get anything done. Yes, black man, we are maligned. I remember reading in The Negro Family, A Case for National Action by uh, Daniel Patrick Monaghan. It became affectionately known as the Monaghan Report, written and published in 1965 and turned over to the Johnson administration, who did absolutely jack shit with it. And yet we love the hell out of them. But what he told them is the black family has a unique experience in this country and that we are going to have to be aware of their unique experience if we're going to give them a proper foothold and planting so that they can take care of themselves. The first thing he told them, instead of thinking of social programs that were meant for women whose husbands went off to war, welfare and all that stuff, instead of using those programs to underwrite black women, use, those, use that money to create government jobs, give black men jobs, let them take care of their families. They denied it. But there's a part in this, in, 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 in this where he's talking about just how far they've gone to emasculate the black man. He says, the natural yearning of a male, regardless of species, is to strut. The male lion has a gait unlike the female lion. The gorilla has a boastfulness in his move. All the way down to the bantam rooster, the male struts, except for the black man. The moment that he squares his shoulders and holds up his head, he becomes a cocky nigger worth lynching. And you got to remember, there was a time that a black man couldn't look a white man in the eye. Do you realize that when black men walk by each other now and give each other the head nod, that came from being not being able to vocally acknowledge one another, but to sit up and say, I see you. 
you're not alone. We start nodding. That was the way we acknowledge each other without them knowing it. So it hasn't been easily to tra traverse any of this for either of us. But what we cannot do is continuously blame one another for something we've been set up on. It's the setup. Now, I'm not saying excuse aberrant behavior. I'm not saying accept dismissive behavior. I'm saying that we are going to have to learn how to be our best selves. We're going to have to learn how to put in work and heal. We're going to have to learn how to grow in what we should be and understand, yeah, that's some faultiness in us. You don't take someone away from their home, put them in 246 years of chattel slavery. There was no other slavery like it. If you go down, they had slavery in South America, in Brazil, but those people could marry one another. Their marriages were respected. Their families were not separated. They had rights. Now, they didn't have the same rights as their white uh, slave owners, but they had, we had no rights. We were not considered human. Do you realize they experimented on our women? to advance the science of gynecology, most of it done without any type of anesthesia? Do you realize that it was common to draw and quarter a black male stud who refused to bow down? And if you don't know what drawing and quarter is, it's getting four horses with men on all four horses with ropes and tying uh, the ropes to each limb and then Sending, the, sending those horses in four different directions while everybody watched. You mean to tell me you come out of this and you're supposed to be whole? Somebody please tell me this point where after we were liberated, quasi-liberated in 1865, that there was this mass counseling session to help pe Black people deal with their trauma. No, that was 12 years of reconstruction where the Klan started to reign in the South and the antebellum South was ushered back in with black codes and convict leasing. That's re-injury on top of what we had already been through. Then there was 76 years of Jim Crow segregation, redlining, benign neglect, urban renewal. Then we moved into the, the era of mass incarceration and gentrification. Serial force displacement from the time we left the damn plantation. Mental, emotional distress, trauma. All these things come from serial force displacement. And we're currently, we're still experiencing it now. Every black neighborhood across America is being gentrified. Where are those black people going? Anybody thought about that? They're not all going to a new black enclave. They're not going to black Mecca, black, black heaven, America. They're getting caught up in the whirlwind of an influx of other immigrants. And they're being dispersed and diluted so their numbers don't have power. And at the same time, there's a media, uh, 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 media blitz to sit up and create conflict amongst them. There's a conflict between the old man and the young man. There's a conflict between the older woman and the younger woman. There's a competition between all women. There is a definite war going on between the men and the women. And the children are suffering because nobody's got their shit together. So when I sit up and I hear this, I'm telling you, this is what I sit up and I deal with every day. The research, the reading, the coming together, the creating of the programs. I know all of this shit frontwards and backwards. And it breaks my heart to sit up and see that we have to do this each and 
every day because we are being played and they're sitting back laughing. And I'll say it again and then I'm going to go on it because I want brothers that are so strong that when things don't go your way, you don't start pouting and finger pointing. 90% of shit that happens in this life to you, somebody's doing it to you. But here's the thing. The moment you point the finger, you become a victim. The one thing you will never be as a victim is powerful. So you got a choice. I can point the finger and tell you who did it, whine and complain, tell you 50 million ways of how they did it, and then sit back and hope and pray that they fix it for me. You know why they got to fix it? Because the moment I point my finger at them, I gave them the power. But if I sit up and say, you know what, that was some messed up shit. Watch what I do. I don't surrender my power. I don't get to play the victim. I don't want to be a damn victim. I want to be the person that you're afraid to do that shit to again. So in other words, what I'm going to do is say, okay, that'll never happen again because I'm going to apply an automatic consequence to your negative actions. So if you ever do this again, know this will happen. That's how you stop police from coming into your community, killing your children. You apply a consequence to it. Stop thinking you can appeal to the moral turpitude of a morally bereft and morally corrupt society. Nobody's acting on morality but black people. Yeah, it's, I, it, there's exceptions to every rule. Yeah, there's some nice white people. I've had some come in my life and help me in times where I was in dire need. I, I, I admit that. But I'm talking about the entire system. The whole damn empire needs to crumble. And that's the thing we're afraid of. I ain't never seen people whine about a system as much as we do. And as soon as it looks like something's about to fall apart and change, we lose our freaking mind. You don't get to let them keep the power the way it is, and you get the power. Somebody's going to have to surrender some shit. Some things are going to have to change. That's what we are going to have to learn, is that we don't get, to, but when you point the finger, you're saying, look what they did to me. They did it. They've been doing it. But that's not how you get out of it by talking about what they they know they did it. Even the ones that will never personally do it know they benefited from it. And while they'll sit up and say that's wrong, they're never going to sacrifice their privilege. They're too afraid if they give up their privilege, we'll do to them what they did to us. So they're not doing that. We Everything we want, we're going to have to stand up and build ourselves. What belongs to us, we have to take it on. We're going to have to sit up and love one another. The self-hatred. See, you got to have a level of self-hatred as a man to openly blame a woman. I was always taught, you protect her. I don't I don't care what the hell she does. She can do some crazy. You protect her. When you get home, you check her. Like, you could have got me killed. I could be in prison because, but you don't, you don't do it out there. We don't, you don't openly down a black woman. Black woman, you don't do that to a black man. That's disrespectful. That's the worst thing you can do to a man is disrespected. A man wants to be respected more than he wants to be loved. And until you get that, we don't speak each other's languages anymore because nobody's trying to figure the other person out. Everybody's trying to make their point. Everybody's trying to win. Everybody's trying to show how bad they've been done instead of healing and learning how to love themselves. I'm gonna tell you something. When you start learning yourself, it's hard for somebody to hurt you. When you start loving yourself, it's hard for somebody to get close enough to do you bad because you know and feel when that energy is there and you automatically, you don't have to be mean. You, know, you, just, you ain't feeling that. Move on. 
Only someone who knows how to come in and lean in and hold you when you need to be held, cover you when you need to be covered, can even get close to you. Even, to the point that even when it doesn't work, it's beautiful. Finally, Bill Ben Trump, the all, Ben Crump. The only reason I'm mentioning this clown is because I put him in the damn title. I wish I wouldn't have, but somebody mentioned it in the last video, and I told him I would talk about it. But he gets two bars, figuratively speaking. In order to understand the detriment that Ben Crump causes, you have to understand legal, legal systems, legal precedents, uh, and how things operate. If you look at every case that Bill Ben Crump, it's a reason why Tamira Rice uh, Tamir Rice's mom didn't want uh, Ben Crump and what's the other guy that's always around? I can't think of his name now, but she didn't want either of them around and she's very upset with them. What This is what happens. Ben Crump is a case settler and he gets a lot of money for people whose family members have been harmed uh and killed and maimed um he gets a lot of money for them that's what he does he has offices all around the country he's built this um <clears throat> reputation as being a representative of the people um in my opinion he is an opportunist opportunist and i'm gonna tell you how he hurts us when you settle cases you lose the opportunity to to depose witnesses and the defendant uh, in the case. The depositions are, are official uh, hearings where you sit up, your lawyer gets to ask that person questions that they have to answer or sit up. And this is not a criminal case. So, you know, and, 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 and so certain rights and things don't apply. So in the civil case, you get to get facts that go on public record, that can be called into play, that can be used in demands for reparations, that can be set up to use and show the system is still tainted. But when you settle, there's a non-disclosure cause. Sometimes you get to say how much money you got. Sometimes you don't. But what you don't get to talk is about any of the pertinent facts about the case. That's closed. It's a non-disclosure. You can't talk about it. You could be in uh, at risk of losing your award, uh, financial uh, award, if you talk about it. And that's what Ben Crump does. He's always showing up. He jumps in. He's he's extremely aggressive. He's got a team that's always moving. It's a well-oiled machine, and he comes in, and you looks up, and there he is. And the thing you realize is he's going to tell you, we're going to get you paid. And now what you have to understand is the dynamic of why it works so well. Nine times out of ten, we're talking about people who are in impoverished situations. We're, nine times out of ten, we're talking about people who have never seen hundred thousand dollars at one time much less five million 
And all of a sudden, what was about fighting for justice became about the bank account. Ben's getting paid. And he'll tell you, and I don't get paid until you get paid. Well, you know they're going to get paid. Everybody saw the video. They getting paid. They don't understand that, though, because that's not the pitch. The pitch is you about to get paid. Let me help you get paid. The pitch is you need me to get paid. Look at how many people got paid that I work with. And he started naming these high profile cases. And there's these million dollar settlements that come behind it. And that's the thing that's getting people signed up. And the problem with that is, and I'm not faulting any family for accepting money, more money than their family has probably made in all generations. I, I, I'm, I, I'm not faulting them because that's a problem in the black community. And I've been talking extensively about wealth building. But when you don't have, it's like getting mad at these kids for signing these stupid ass record deals that make them spit the stuff that they weren't even spitting when they got discovered. They switch in their whole game to promote bull crap that works against us. If when you offer them a $500,000, a million dollar bonus and mama trying to keep the lights on, and you expecting them to sit up and say, no, nah, I'm not going to take this. I'm going to stand on my morals and my standards. No, you have to build something to say you don't have to go there, kid. Come here. We got you. Mama's bills are going to stay on. We're going to build this. We're going to promote it. We're going to do it right. We're going to have standards about what we spit in our community. We're going to bring a traditional old-fashioned hip-hop back, something that taught lessons about who we were, gave us a sense of pride. We're going, to, we're going to have a mixture of the banter and all this other stuff, but we're going to have something that we can be proud of in this community. You're going to have to have something to offer them that they that, that, that can compete with what they're being offered out there. It, they're not going to let their lights get turned, their mama's lights get turned off when somebody's offering them a million dollars. Same thing with these families. Yeah. They love their person. They, they care about their person. I don't think for one second, I'm not questioning for one second, that Tyree's mom doesn't love him to death. But Ben Crumpton showed up and talking about $7 million. It might, this might be the biggest payout ever, just based off of what I heard. I refuse to watch the uh, video. But again, I know so many people that did watch it. I also know a lot of cops that I uh, uh, am aware with. Not, I wouldn't call them friends, but they are part of organizations that I am. And we normally have these conversations and normally don't go as good as it went with this particular case because normally they're trying to always get me to see the cop side of things. And I'm like, didn't have to shoot him. Didn't have to shoot him. I'm, I didn't have to shoot him. Not one of the cops. This let me know how bad it was without watching it. Not one of the cops defended it. Matter of fact, the consensus was this is the worst shit I've ever seen in my life. To hear a cop say that, this is the worst. I had one tell me this was worse than Rodney King. I remember Rodney King. And, and if it's half as bad as that, it was horrible. And people are saying it's worse. So this woman lost her kid. And that the, the, the level of violence and, and, and everything that had to be done wrong for that to happen says she's going to get paid. But Ben Crump, the person that's wanting to know why Ben Crump keeps showing up, he's not handpicked by the black community. He's a well-all media, media-backed mogul who pops up and benefits off this shit over and over again because we don't have a plan in place. We don't have an agenda. We don't have a system of operation that says we're taking her into our fold. 
We're going to deal with it to make sure the best outcome comes. And we have a panel of attorneys that are always on retainer because they're going to make the best decision for her, not for their pocketbooks. So that's why. Yeah, George Floyd was the biggest so far, but this one may be bigger. Absolutely, Ronald. He is the buffer. He's the person they send along and say, look, we're going to throw you $7 million. Start out and say, we're trying to get this. We're trying to get that. He tells the family, I'm really working hard. You know, stretch it out a little bit, working hard. I'm trying to get it here. They're they giving me a hard time, but I'm going to fight for you. I promise I'm going to fight for you. The whole bullshit that they get. And the whole time, he's already cut the deal. He's cut the deal. And so what happens is without admitting any culpability, without getting any testimony on record, nobody's been deposed. Here's your money. You know how many times that's been done in the last five years? And you understand why Tamira Rice's mom is pissed? She don't want to be quiet. They took her baby. Again, black men, the code of one of the things that I have always stood on. If you come in my house to cause harm to mine, you're not leaving alive. There's a consequence for coming in my house to harm mine. Now we have to take that mentality and apply it to the community. We've lost the village. Everybody's an individual now. That's something else they sold to us and we bought it. Everybody's an individual. It's my business. I ain't worried about that. I ain't getting in nobody else's business. The village used to be in everybody's business. I'm going to say this and I'm done. <clears throat> uh I grew up in a community, again, born in the 60s, raised in the 70s, and became a man in the late 80s. Uh, graduated high school in 86. Here is what I can tell you about growing up. That was still a village when I grew up. I, without question, again, I'm reared by my grandmother's parents. So you can understand, I probably had the strictest parents in the freaking neighborhood. And then as you looked around, you would find that there were different varying degrees of how strict parents were. Some parents didn't give a shit. Kids were doing whatever. And it reflected in their house. It, re it reflected in their performance in school. It reflected in their financial and economic status. You could see it. The poorer they got, the less the rules were in the house. Every now and then you find a, a mom laying around and really trying to hold the family together, doing the best she can. But the most structured homes had two parents. And it wasn't an uncommon thing yet, especially in the early 70s. We first, it was plenty of men in the hood, men being men, men getting up, going to work, coming home, making sure stuff was taken care of. Woman never had to gas her car up, never had to wash her car. All that shit was taken care of. That's the stuff you had to learn. But here's what I could tell you this is how crazy the village was. My, my 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 grandparents strict as hell so i would just love getting around getting about four or five streets down around the corner 
and hanging out with kids whose mom let them do stuff and try to hang with them and do it. And do you realize the mother who would let her child do a lot more than mine will come out there and say, you know, Miss Wallace, don't let you do that. You want me to go around here and tell her you over here doing it? We don't have that anymore. And because we don't have a village, we don't get upset until we see somebody laying in the street bleeding out. See, if we had that in the village, they would look up and they couldn't do that because they would know, damn, all these people out here. The moment that something got crazy, they roll it, rolling up. What's up? One thing that I could tell you, back in the 90s, the late 80s and the 90s, and I, 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 I'm not about gangbanging at all, but what I'm going to tell you is there were certain neighborhoods cops didn't go in in Los Angeles. And when they went in, that's the first place I ever went to. And I went and I said, why are there four or five cops in one car? Because that's how they had to roll up in there if they wanted to get out. Now, does it come with does it come with some downside? Yeah, because if somebody got hurt, the chances of getting the ambulance up in there wasn't that good. But what if you, you put the right energy on that? What you put the right focus on that? Look, we're not harming one another, first of all. So the chance of needing ambulances in here at that back, and we ain't harming nobody that ain't harming us. So if you don't mean us no bad, you shouldn't have a problem with us. But if you come in here, you're meaning us bad. Please know we bring in smoke. And the thing is, if you again, so people saying, well, well, you know, you're, you're, you're putting a hit. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Got too many family members of cops. Got too many people that I have that are part of organizations that I respect. But I hold them accountable. And I don't back down. And, and, and sometimes we have to disagree to agree and go on to something else because it gets heated. I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to stand on mine, but I'm going to sit up. But I, I know these people. I know what they do. I know they're there in the community and they're frustrated too. But I tell you what, I'm not talking to you. Talk, I'm not talking to the person that comes in and does their job. I'm not talking to the person that comes in and actually acts like they're protecting and serving. I'm talking about the one that comes in with a predatory mindset, feels like we're low-hanging fruit and thinks that there, there won't be any consequences. See, that was the idea behind what happened. Uh, I've heard some things. I'm not going to speak on it, but I've heard there's a reason why he got pulled over by them. And I want to let it play out because I don't want to be the spread of misinformation. But I already said it. When, when one cop told me, one of my, 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 my cop's associates told me that was a falsified uh, report from the first place. The reason they pulled over, pulled him over was suspect. Now, he was pulled over supposedly for suspicion of reckless driving. Suspicion of reckless driving, meaning that we we're there's a suspicion that you might have did something reckless. High enough. Anyway, what happened is at some point they made up in their mind they were going to pull him over. They made up a reason why they pulled him over. And the a level of aggression at which they snatched him out of the car. And immensely, immediately, it goes haywire from what I understand. Again, I haven't watched it. To the point where he, at some point, probably thinks, if I don't run, they're going to kill me. So he jumps up and runs. They, get, they eventually catch up and it gets worse. 
Uh, and everybody's talking about don't run. I can't even get into fight or flight right now. What the brain does when the brain is afraid something's going to happen. Nobody's thinking when that happens. The prefrontal cortex is shut down when that happens. The prefrontal cortex is your impulse control, your reason, your rationale, your executive functioning. It's shut down. The moment that you get scared and you're fearing for your life, it's not even working. The, the blood that normally goes to that part of the brain is now being re redirected to your extremities so that you can fight or run. So nobody makes good decisions in times of fear because you can't think. Now, if you've been trained, your instincts will take over. This is why cops should actually be doing better. They're supposedly trained to handle volatile and escalating situations. The cop is the professional. They're the ones supposed to de-escalate the situation. And it's amazing how they're able to do that when it's someone else. So as far as Jason Whitlock is concerned, he gets paid a lot of money to shit on us to keep us in line, same thing with Stephen A. Smith, talk a lot of noise and talk about, and, and now, first of all, when did sports analysts become political experts, social experts? I spent years honing my skills and learning so that I could be a voice with my people. This fat fuck shows up and just going off at the mouth and his words have weight because he's been given a platform by the system. He's not the only one. We can't let them gas us and create division between us. That's not what we need to be doing. Look, uh, I stayed longer than I had planned to, but uh, I'm glad I did. I thank you guys for hanging in there with me uh, as long as you did. Uh, Erlene, I'm glad you asked that question. I wanted to be very direct and specific in responding to it, even though I did answer it in, in simplicity. Initially, I wanted to be very direct on how I stand about that, what my heart is for my people, what I've done for 30 years now in research in program development, in facilitation, implementation, uh, and so much more. What I continue to do, 25 books and counting, working on number 26 now. And I'm hopefully I'm just getting started. But if I leave this place tomorrow, I gave it everything I have, people. Y'all gonna have to pick it up and y'all gonna have to do it. You can't keep riding the wave of failure and mediocrity because that's what they threw you. At some point, you got to say, I don't want your scraps from your table. I'll build my own fucking table. So as I leave, I'm going to ask you to go to the description box. Look in the description box and donate. I've been doing this, like I said, for a long time, pretty much on my dollar. Uh, Erlene, I, I let Erlene handle me a lot because for two years, Erlene donated $50 a month. One of my biggest donors. So look, go to the description box, give. There's several ways you can give. I don't prefer GoFundMe, but I create it because some people won't give if it's not a GoFundMe account, but they take a pretty hefty processing fee but they they do record your name they do keep up with the money's given they record your name if you want it and put it out there i'm not gonna tell nobody not to give but a certain percentage goes immediately to go fund me 
uh, you can give directly through my organization. Um, and my 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 financial institution will process that donation or you can give directly through the organization's cash app. And it's in there. I'm going to continue to do everything I can to bring heat uh, because that's some things that really need to be touched on. Uh, I'm going to give you everything I got. If you notice, there's two, over 2000 videos on this channel alone. I have more than one. I have a site with almost a thousand articles on it. I've written 25 books. I've wrote a blueprint that I've literally sat down and put in front of a person I hold in high regard, Dr. Claude Anderson and his wife, Joanne. And they looked at over eight years ago and they signed off on it. It's on the site. I put in work. Go check out the blueprint. It's called the Blueprint 1.0. I named it 1.0 because at some time I was hoping to sit down with other minds and actually hammer some things out and put it together. I don't, I don't know everything. I try to know as much as I possibly can because I want to be a voice. I want to be a catalyst for change. I want to be a force, but I don't know everything. And I was hoping that the 2.0 would be when more of us sit down at the table and come up with plans. Do you realize we have basically three, three think tanks? Dr. Claude Anderson has one. I have one, the Odyssey Project. And the other one, I'm not going to even classify. I'm not going to put it out there uh a suspect but those are the think tanks actually where people's minds come together and look at all the problems and come up with solutions you know how many they have to make sure that they never let us catch up with them last i was able to tally 1300 from everything from economics to academics to public schools to psychology adhd uh autism uh gender wars division all of this stuff is not an accident. It's strategically set up. The greatest thing they fear is us uniting. We got three, they got 1,300. And we just happy. Man, we riding out around. We, 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 we spend $2.5 billion a year on Jordans. Between October 20th, preparing for Halloween and December 24th, we spent 570,000, I mean, 570 billion, I mean, 70 million dollars. No, I take that back, 570 billion dollars. Just in Halloween, 40 is 47 billion. The Thanksgiving holidays is 53 billion. And from Thanksgiving to Christmas, $473 billion we're spending in their economy. Only group of people I've ever known to finance our own demise. We are going to have to gain a better understanding of how things work and then take action. On that note, I'm going to get out of here. As I said again, we really need your support. Look in the description box and act accordingly. I promise you, I'm going to be back tomorrow uh, with more heat. And again, I don't do the celebrity gossip shit. I don't do the stuff just because it's sensational. So a lot of times I don't, I'm not going to get a lot of likes and a lot of views. And I'm okay with that because what I want, when I, when I come, I'm coming because I want to leave something that people can eat. That people can eat. Whoever that was, thank you. Okay, Arkita, thank you so much. Um, okay, wow, I never had that happen. Amy Turner, thank you.
look, what we do as 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 a race has to be seen as us doing it as a nation. And as a nation, we're going to have to come together and stand under a flag. It means we're not going to agree on everything. It means we're going to bring our hurts, our pains, our scars, our past frustrations. And there are going to be people who have harmed us that look like us. But we're going to have to get bigger if we're ever going to get stronger. We're going to have to get bigger than the moment that hurt us if we're ever going to get stronger. Some of us are still living in that pain and we can't shake it. And if you can't shake that pain, you can't build trust. If you can't build trust, you can't have unity. If you can't have unity, you will never experience power. On that note, I'm going to get out of here. You guys, I love you. We got so much work to do. On that note, take care.